Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Uh, this morning, we're taking uh, a break from, from the Epistle of James, and we will be in Colossians chapter 2. I'll be reading verse 6 and 7. Uh, if you're using the Pew Bible, that's on page 984. Uh, keep your finger there. Our Old Testament reading is Psalm 1. That's on page 448 if you're using the Pew Bible. Uh, Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus, this is God's holy, infallible, uh, and abiding word. So give your full attention to it. We'll be reading Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers." The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's turn now to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk in Him, rooted and built up, built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abound, abounding in thanksgiving. Uh, grass withers, flowers fade, but the Word of our God abides forever. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in Your sight our Lord, our Rock, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You can tell a lot about a person by the way they walk. Uh, What kind of person comes to mind when he takes a few steps and then falls down. Uh, Well, you might think that person might have had too much to drink. Or if you're like me, you might think of your one-year-old. What about someone who is tippy-toeing in the dark? Uh, Maybe that person is trying to be really quiet, not to wake anybody up. Or maybe he might be up to no good. Who knows? Uh, What about someone who's walking with their heads down? Uh, Well, we might think he's sad or depressed. Uh, We certainly won't think they're happy. Uh, What about the arrogant, those who think they're all that and and a bag of chips? How do they walk? Uh, The arrogant probably have their heads way up because they're proud. But it's not always easy to tell based on somebody, uh, based on the way somebody walks, right? People can, as they say, fake it till they make it. 
There are those who walk confidently but are really unraveling inside. Uh, But generally, the way someone walks says something. And so, how does the Lord want us to walk? Well, not in pride or arrogance, but, nor in despair or hopelessness, but in confidence and in humility. And so this morning, I want us to consider this simple idea, and it's this. Uh, God roots us to be stable in Jesus Christ, that we might walk in His ways with gratitude. God roots us to be stable in Jesus Christ, that we might walk in His ways with gratitude. If you look in the beginning of this chapter, chapter 2, you'll see the depth of Paul's ministry. Uh, He calls it a great struggle that he has for the church. I mean, do you know what that's called? A great struggle for somebody else? That's called commitment. Paul's ministry was full of afflictions and sufferings. Uh, He bent over backwards for the people of God. Uh, But why did Paul undergo such pain? It wasn't for himself, it was for their sakes. So that they might be mature in the faith, so that their hearts might be knit together as one. He struggled with all that he had for them. Uh, Because for Paul, an unraveling, uh, an unveiling has taken place. God has revealed the mystery of the gospel. A mystery that has confounded believers of old. Uh, Peter says that even angels longingly looked into this mystery, how it might unfold. But this mystery, it turns out, was a person. It wasn't an abstract proposition. The mystery came in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He was the long-awaited root of Jesse. He is the Messiah. That is the gospel. This mystery is wrapped up in what Paul says in verse 6. Look at verse 6. He says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Uh, The word Lord here is loaded, right? I think by now we should know that it refers to Jesus' identity. Uh, It would have certainly stood out to Jewish readers of Scripture. Uh, because, the Lord, uh, because the Lord is a particular way to refer, uh, to refer to the God of Israel. They so feared in pronouncing this name, the covenant name of God, uh, which is uh, spelled Y-H-Y-H or, or Yahweh. God's people, the Israelites, feared to say this name. Uh, It was God's unique and personal name. And so they came to substitute this name with the title Lord. And so whenever you encounter the apostles referring to Jesus as Lord, they are making a particular claim. And it's this. Jesus is one with the God of Israel. He is the God of Israel who has come in the flesh. Uh, But the word Lord here is not just a title for Jesus. It is that, but it's more than that. 
It's also the manner by which we receive Him. We receive Him as Lord. Uh, this is why some of your translations might say, uh, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him. So what does it mean to receive Jesus as Lord? Uh, to receive Him as Lord uh, is a fundamental shift in our identity. We go from one identity to another. It means Jesus is now Lord over my life and not me. Uh, think about how revolutionary this was for the early church. Everybody, the whole Roman Empire was saying, was saying Caesar is Lord. But not so with believers. They were proclaiming Jesus is Lord. Uh, that's super subversive to their culture. And it's super subversive to our culture. To receive Christ Jesus as Lord now means, that, now means what's Lord is no longer our money. It's no longer our status and affluence. It's no longer our culture and country. And it's no longer ourselves. Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's a fundamental shift in our allegiance. It means we put aside our devotion to acquisition and our commitment to comfort because everything now that we do seeks to be congruent with Jesus' Lordship. We seek to live in the same manner that our Lord has lived. In so doing, we affirm His rule over us as Lord. Uh, this is what Paul was getting at when he said, so walk in Him. Walk in Him. Because in the Bible, walking is a powerful idiom for the way we live. It's the way we conduct ourselves according to who we are. Uh, this is actually one of Paul's favorite metaphors. Right? He uses it over and over again. Uh, listen to some of these examples from Paul. He says, Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, Colossians 1.10. Walk in wisdom, Colossians 4.5. Walk by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5.7. Walk by the Spirit, Galatians 5.16. Walk in love, Ephesians 5.2. Walk as children of light, Ephesians 5.8. Walk according to the examples you have in us, Philippians 3.17. Walk in newness of life, Romans 6.4. Uh, for Paul, the way we walk shows whether or not we have received Christ as Lord. So if you want to know if Jesus is Lord in your life or something else is, then examine the way you walk. Do you walk in wisdom, by faith, by the Spirit, in love, as children of light? Or are you walking in opposition to those things? Paul says later in Colossians, he says this, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as, earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come, and in them you once walked when you were living in them. You see, if you have received Jesus as Lord, then there's no way you should be walking in the way you once did. 
Because those things, according to Paul, are dead to you. The person who walked according to those former things is dead. It's lifeless. But what do we do? We're constantly trying to reanimate it to life. And that's what we do when we go back to them. Every time we seek to walk uh, in our former way, we are trying to uh, animate the dead person. It's incredibly absurd. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that old movie, uh, Weekend at Bernie's, right? There are uh, these kids trying to play puppet with a dead guy, trying to uh, make him seem alive. It's that absurd, to walk in the way you once did. It's like trying to convince yourself that a corpse is alive. It's absurdity to walk in impurity and unholiness and in living in such a way contrary to your confession that Jesus is Lord. Well, in verse 7, Paul goes on to explain what walking in Christ looks like. Uh, Walking in Christ means we must be first rooted in Him. Now, that sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? Uh, How can we walk when you're rooted? How will we get anywhere if we're securely planted? Well, Paul is clearly mixing his metaphors, right? But he's not contradicting himself. Because for Paul, you can't get anywhere without being grounded in Christ. Uh, Before you get anywhere, you have to first be stable in the Lord. And so what does it look like to be rooted in the Lord Jesus? Uh, We saw it earlier in our Old Testament reading in Psalm 1. Uh, Listen to the way the psalmist describes it. He says, He, the blessed or happy man, Uh, will be like a tree firmly planted, there it is, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. You see, a rooted person will be fruitful, and he will be prosperous in whatever he is doing. Uh, Notice, Uh, The happy or blessed man is simultaneously rooted by streams of water and is actively doing something. That's Paul's idea in our passage, isn't it? Being rooted in Christ doesn't mean we're passive. Doesn't mean we don't walk. That we don't do anything. It's precisely the opposite. We're like walking trees with strong roots. Right? Ents? Have you ever seen the Lord of the Rings? That's what that is. But that's the way we grow. Being rooted in Christ, we grow because we're still under construction. As Paul says, we are being built up in Him. Jesus is presently building you up so that receiving Him as Lord becomes more and more tangible in your life that you might walk more and more like Him, the way He walked. Uh, Because the carpenter from Nazareth is not done with you. He has started something, and He will complete it. Uh, Beloved, that's good news. 
Because it means Jesus uh, is the foundation of your faith. It's not in your strength, not in your intelligence, not in your goodness, not how many times you go to church, not in your health, not in your performance or anything else. He alone, Jesus Christ, is your foundation. He alone is your rock. He alone ensures you that uh, he will, you, were, you will never be swept away by the waves of life. I love the way that Jeremiah puts it. He says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who trust, uh, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Uh, notice how similar it is, this passage is with Psalm 1. The blessed man, check. Like a tree planted by streams of water, check. Uh, but Jeremiah adds something important, and it's this. The person rooted in the Lord is fearless. He is not anxious when things look bad. The scorching heat comes, he's not afraid. There's a dry spell, he's not troubled by it. He, he just keeps bearing fruit. No matter what comes his way, he keeps trusting in the Lord. He keeps sending out his roots to send forth in dry land. He keeps being grateful to the Lord who sustains him. Or as Paul says, he is abounding in thanksgiving. You know, I'm reminded of Daniel and his friends. And do you remember that story? I think it's, it's pretty popular, right? Uh, the boys refused to bend the knee to Nebuchadnezzar's golden image. I mean, this was the king's decree. And you don't say no to the king of the land. And so everyone bowed down except for Daniel and his boys. They were subversive. This was high treason against the kingdom and the king. Not because Daniel and his friends wanted recognition, far from it, but they were utterly devoted to their Lord. Uh, their refusal to bow down was a physical manifestation of their allegiance to the God of Israel. They were, in Paul's language, walking in him. They were devoted to their Lord. Uh, of course, Nebuchadnezzar was super mad, uh, when he finds out about Daniel and his friends, uh, here's what he has to say to them. He said, But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Uh, let me translate that for us. Uh, what's wrong with you guys? I mean, I'm not playing around. I'm the king. Didn't I say I will throw you into the furnace if you don't bow down? If you don't bend the knee right now, I'm throwing you in the furnace. Now, if you were these boys, Daniel and his friends, what would you be thinking at this point? I mean, I, I know my own heart. It would, be, it would be easy to just capitulate because I'm scared to death. It would be easy to give in to the demands of the king. But that's not what Daniel and his boys do. They were firmly rooted in the God of Israel. 
They have received Him as their Lord. Nothing was going to stop them from walking in His ways, not even if it meant losing their lives for Him. Uh, Look at their response to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Turn with me there real quick to Daniel uh, chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. Here's their, here's their response. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Are we willing to walk the furnace of affliction for our Lord? Does our allegiance to Him run that deeply? That whether He delivers us from the furnace or not, can we say we will continue to walk in Him? We will not walk in the ways of other gods. Can we say that? Because the truth is, we can be rooted in so many other things. And we often are. Because if our roots are not in Jesus, then they'll be in something else. Like what? Like money. Money is a powerful root that can even make us walk away from Jesus. Uh, Paul puts it like this in 1 Timothy. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. And so how much weight does money have in your life? Does it make you wander from Jesus? And it's easy uh, to be rooted in pride. Uh, Some of us are so rooted in our successes, things we have accomplished in our life. We take pride in those achievements. I mean, they often defined us, don't they? Our education, our wealth, our contributions, all those things can root us in pride. They can make us, they can make us walk uh, with our noses up in the sky, thinking we're better than other people. Then some of us are rooted in bitterness. I think we have to really watch out for this one because it creeps up in us. Uh, because holding uh, grudges is so common among Christians nowadays. And it's often accepted, like it's okay or something. But it's not. Many of you know that my father wasn't there uh, growing up. I still haven't met the man. And for a long time, uh, I held a bitter grudge against him. His absence made me very, very resentful. Uh, You would have detected it in the way I walked. I walked very angrily. Uh, And it stained me as a kid. Um, Bitterness brought so much grief into my life. Uh, No wonder the writer to the Hebrews says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Bitterness can make us defiled. 
bitterness can stain our hearts. Be watchful of bitterness. Uh, But let me ask this question. What kind of things are you rooted in? What are things, uh, what kind of things are more important to you than the Lord? What are you rooted in? Uh, Beloved, if you saw Jesus in his day, if you saw the way he walked, what would you think of him? Uh, you, you might question who he was. Could this be the Messiah? No way, right? He doesn't walk with a strut. He doesn't walk like a king. He walks like a servant, like he's nobody. And worst of all, Jesus walked with sinners. He walked with the marginalized and outsiders. He walked with tax collectors and prostitutes. He walked with nobodies like me and like you. And so, and so you would never in a million years think he was the Lord of the universe if you saw Jesus in his day. That wasn't the Messiah everyone was expecting. But praise be to God that Jesus did walk like a servant and with sinners. He walked like a nobody. That he came not to be served, but to serve. Because he committed himself to sinners like you and me. He was so committed that he walked all the way to the cross where he gave himself as a ransom for many. And so now, at that cross, and so we, we find a tree with indelible roots. It drips with blood, but if you stake your life in it, you will be so rooted, you will, be, you will never be moved again. That's the cross. Will you stake your life at Jesus' cursed tree? Because if you do, you will be rooted in Him and you shall not be shaken. Uh, let me close with this reflection. We live in such an unpredictable world. Everywhere we stand is shaky ground. There's global pandemic. There's racial unrest. There's social injustice and brutality. Everywhere we look, there's uh, there's political sabotage. I mean, not to mention the strife that goes on in our own community. So in the midst of it all, you know what we need? We need stability. We need to walk with roots. We need roots that will not fail us when the ground beneath us is collapsing. So let us establish ourselves in Jesus Christ, for He is Lord, because in Him we have indelible roots. He is the long-awaited root of Jesse. He remains steadfast when all else is crumbling. Uh, May we then abound in thanksgiving, as Paul says. Uh, knowing that we have a foundation that can never be uprooted, not by pandemics, not by financial struggles, not even death itself. Nothing can uproot us when we're walking in Jesus Christ. But this is also a reminder that we are sojourners in this world. Our walk uh, is a life full of troubles. But the Lord tells us not to fear. 
Don't tremble with fear, because like Daniel and his friends, our God is with us. Uh, The Lord says in Isaiah 43, When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord, your Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. That's our hope, isn't it? Our Lord is with us. We are rooted in Him, and wherever we walk, it might seem like the uh, it might seem like the worst thing in the world when the fires are, are engulfing us. Yet the Lord is with us, and we shall not be burned. Uh, beloved, we now have a meal to root us again in Jesus Christ. Uh, not because there's anything magical about the bread and the wine, but because there are figures attached to Jesse's root. Uh, think about the elements and where they come from. Uh, bread comes from wheat or grain. It was once rooted and planted in the ground. Uh, wine comes from grapes of the vine, uh, which was uh, once rooted in the ground as well, right? Uh, what had to happen for us to eat and drink of these elements? Well, both of them have to have been uprooted, taken from the ground. And so it is with Jesus Christ. Our Lord was uprooted that we might be rooted in Him. He was cut off that we might be engrafted in Him. He died that we might live eternally. Amen? It's my privilege now uh, to invite you to this meal before us, uh, to partake of this meal, to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord again. Uh, It's to acknowledge our complete allegiance to Him. And so part of what that looks like is to be committed to a church. Uh, It's the Lord's desire uh, that you have accountability to a local church. And so if that's you, if you're a member in good standing, um, if, you're committed your, if you've committed yourself to a Bible-believing, God-exalting, Christ-centered church, then we welcome you to this meal. It's a meal with roots, a meal rooted in the broken body and shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come, eat, drink uh, spiritually Jesus' blood and body. Be rooted in Him. Uh, But if that's not yet true for you, if you have not yet received Jesus as your Lord, if you are not rooted in Him, if you have not yet committed yourself in a local body, Jesus' body, then God says to wait. Uh, This meal is not yet for you. Uh, So let the bread and the wine pass. Uh, The triune God will not be mocked. Uh, Don't eat and drink judgment unto yourself. Uh, But it is good for you to be here, right? It's good that you're here among us to see the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and to hear of it. Um, May your need of him grow more and more to the point where you do confess Jesus as your Lord and uh, to become more rooted in him. Uh, But here's the thing. Uh, Receiving Jesus as Lord 
being rooted in Him doesn't mean you don't struggle now. Doesn't mean you don't fall short. Because um, other lords sometimes get the best of us, don't they? Um, Lords of self, lords of money, lords of pleasure. Many of those things are vying for uh, for lordship, and, and many times we fall short. Uh, God doesn't expect perfection then uh, for you to, to partake of this meal. Otherwise, none of us can partake, partake of this meal. Um, what God wants is grief, grief of our sin and repentance of our sin. Uh, because the Lord desires to show mercy and grace to us. Uh, that's the kind of Lord that He is. He is utterly committed to you. He who says He will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, he says to you this morning, come and feast. Taste and see that I am good, that I am for you and not against you. Uh, and so let us give thanks before we partake. Let's pray. O Lord, glory be to you, to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. We praise you for who you are, that you are our Lord who has rooted us in the Lord Jesus. And so we confess our utter need of you. We are but dust, yet we are your treasured possession. Who can imagine? You have loved us by sending your only unique Son to dwell among us. He lived a completely righteous and merciful life, yet he died the death of a vile criminal. He endured the greatest pains and sufferings known to man by being separated from you through the death on a cross. As a father, we are thankful that you have raised him on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And you have enthroned him as the Lord of the universe. He is our Lord. Use now the bread and the wine to strengthen our allegiance to our Messiah. We pray in the name of him who has committed to us to the very end, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give you praise and thanksgiving for your great mercy that you have shown to us while we were yet sinners Christ Jesus, our Lord, died for us. You you have seen our spiritual poverty, and you have showered us with your riches. You have come all the way down from heaven to bestow, um, to bestow, bestow, bestow grace to us in the Lord Jesus. At his expense, we have been shown mercy. And so, Lord, teach us, Teach us again to walk, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling from which you have called us, and that through him uh, we, might, we might be rooted again and again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.